before I go into the message, a fire kindled. Isaiah 50 verse 4. Want to go. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the Lord. And I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that your word will never fail. That your word will never return to you void. You said it's my word not like fire. It's my word not like a hammer that breaks even the most resistant stone. Father, let your word go out today as fire. Let your word go out today as hammer to break things up our fallow ground. Let the fire burn to give us new zeal, new passion, new excitement for you. Father, let the word go out and break into pieces every resistance, every excuse that we might have. God, we want you to light us up. Father, there are people waiting to see the light. And you said the light that you have lit cannot be hidden under a bushel. You said it's supposed to be on a mountaintop. Oh, attractive, drawing people, showing them the way. That is what we desire, the Ark Fellowship. Lord, hide me behind the cross this morning. Holy Spirit, speak. We are willing to listen. Our ears are open. Our hearts are open. Speak to your people. Speak to your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 A fire kindled. Acts chapter 28, verses 1 to 3, and then verse 5. Now when they had escaped, talking about Paul after they were shipwrecked, they then found out that the island where they were shipwrecked was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness for the what? What did they do? What did the natives do? They kindled a fire. The natives kindled a fire. That's very important. So if you have a Bible, if you have a, a pen, you have a note, write that down. The natives kindled a fire. And then put a line I will have you put something later to fill that up because that is what is very important. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. They kindled a fire because of something. Rain was falling. It was cold. 276 men had been shipwrecked after they had been blown away by the wind. 500 miles off course. For two weeks, if you read chapter 26, 27, for two weeks, those 276 men were in a hurricane. They were in a storm. And for two weeks, there was no light. For two weeks, they were in total darkness. And finally, 
The ship was all broken apart. Some of them came on shore holding on pieces of wood. But they came ashore. They came ashore. And God had told Paul, no single life will be lost. He says, you will lose the ship. Everything will be lost. Everything you have. But I promise you, Paul, the life of these 275 men plus yourself, 276, no single life will be lost. So they found themselves shipwrecked on the island of Malta. It was raining, it was cold, but God had put there the natives who showed them unusual kindness and kindled the fire. Verse 3. But when Paul had gathered, uh oh, I thought it was the, the, the natives that were kindling the fire. Okay, now, verse 3. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, what came out? A viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Put down his hand on your, on your notes. Write down a viper fastened. On his hand. Because that's very important. Because the enemy will attack you. In the area where God wants to use you the most. Verse 5. But he shook out the creature into the fire. And suffered no harm. I'm going to read two more scriptures. Before I go into the message. Leviticus chapter 9 verses 23 and 24. And Moses and Aaron. Went into the tabernacle of Midian. And came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering. And the fat on the altar. And all the people saw it. They shouted and fell on their faces. And in Leviticus 6 verse 10 to 13, God told Moses to go and tell Aaron, and the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen trousers. He shall put on his body and take off the ashes of the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar. And he shall put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments and put on other garments and carry the ashes outside. They come to a clean place. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it, it shall not be put out. The fire shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order, in order on it. And it shall burn on it the fat of the peace offering. Listen to this, verse 13. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. It shall never go out. God has given us a fire. The fire of the Lord has come into this place. The Bible says, it shall never go out. You are to every day put logs in that fire. 
every morning you are to take the ashes from the previous day's fire, you're supposed to take them out and put a new log on the fire. God will always start fires. God always starts fires. That's why Jesus said in Revelation, I would that you were hot or cold. Because he has already started a fire inside of you. When you got born again, and then when you received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit represents power. The Bible says, fill them in the, in the upper room, Acts chapter 2. He filled them with the Holy Spirit and with power. And it was represented by fire laying on every one of them. Fire represents the Holy Spirit. Fire represents the zeal, the passion for the Lord. Fire represents God coming in and taking out everything in your life that is not pleasing to Him. Fire represents purification. Fire represents judgment. In the Old Testament, when fire fell, people were burnt up. But in the New Testament, no. When fire falls on you now, it's the anointing of, of God on your life to do great and mighty things. So when the fire falls on you, you must keep the fire burning. You must maintain that fire every day. Make sure there is a log of wood on that fire. And make sure there are no ashes to prevent that fire from burning brightly. Paul, God told him, I want you to go to Italy, Rome. I want you to take the gospel and go speak to Caesar. He had been accused by the chief priest of things that he didn't do. By the way, Christian, it's so good to see you. I need to talk to you. We're looking for all the young people. You need to go get them. I couldn't stop myself. (laughs) And so, when they had told him, Paul, no, you know they are waiting to kill you in Jerusalem. He was was in Caesarea. And the the, the Christians there, the brothers, the brethren, were telling him, please don't go to Jerusalem. They are after you. They've come up. they've, They've cooked up some false allegations against you. A prophet even came and took his belt and said, Whoever has this belt, this is how they are going to bind him up and do this to him. Paul told them, you know, I just have to go. So he went to Jerusalem. Of course, they snatched him. And he appeared before Agrippa. His whole purpose was that God had told him he was going to appear before Caesar in Rome. And he wanted to take the gospel to the highest person in the land. And God told him to go. It was while he was going, one time winds carried him and the sheep. They went to a different port. They waited a few days. They went again into the ship. Wind took them again out of course. The Bible says it blew them out of course to another place. And then he kind of perceived in his spirit that they needed to wait a little bit longer before they went the third time to try and reach Rome. But the captain of the ship said, no, 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 we are going to do it. Paul said, okay, I'm a prisoner. So, you know. So they went in. 
Because he told them, he says, God doesn't want us to go. He doesn't want us to go yet. But they went, and as they were going, they, they, they met a hurricane. And for two weeks, the Bible says 14 days, they were in this hurricane. There was total darkness. They couldn't even see the stars. Total darkness. But an angel appeared to, I'm giving you a background, okay? An angel appeared to Paul and said, don't worry. They will lose, you all will lose everything. But your life will not be lost. No life, I promise you, no life. So he told them that. And that's what exactly God did. By the time, Acts 28 verse 1, when they, they came to that island of Malta, the wind just drew them there. They had lost everything. But then God did something unusual. It was raining. It was cold. But yet, God got somebody. Some people to set up. I mean, we are talking about 276 men. That these natives set a bonfire to warm them up. Now, when God starts something like that, and puts fire, and starts and sparks a fire, you would think that Paul, who was cold and the rain was falling, would not want to leave that place where the fire was. He would want to warm himself up real quick. I mean, the natives are doing it. One thing is this. God will always use the natives to start the fire. And the fire will always start because of an event. Listen to me carefully. An event or a crisis or a long time of you being in difficulty, nothing has changed. Or as a believer, you have drifted away and away from God. Maybe not even once. They drifted to one shore, came back again, tried to come back and again drifted. The winds were contrary. Maybe you have drifted away back and forth, or you are not very stable in the things of God, in the things of the kingdom, or you've had a crisis, you were in a storm. I mean, think about it. I'm sure Paul is thinking, why, did, why didn't Jesus come walking on the storm? When the apostles were in the storm in Galilee, he walked on the storm and he saved them. And he saved them and the storm calmed down and the winds that were raging were calm. That didn't happen in this case. He lost everything. Lost everything. All those men lost everything. But God still used someone to start the fire. The natives will always start the fire. An event or something that has happened to you, like I know for sure in this church, that the passing of my husband ignited fire in everyone in, in this church. I know that everybody wants to become a better Christian. Everybody wants to leave this earth after being in contact with my husband, a better Christian than they were before. God used that event to ignite the fire in us. Maybe you didn't know my husband very well, but something in your life brought you here today. And you're saying, I've just been feeling the need to go, draw closer to God. Maybe it's the event of the last two years the coronavirus, and you've realized that, you know what? The government cannot help us. Even the medicine cannot help us. I need to draw close to God in case anything happens. I know where I'm going to. God will use that to light a fire. 
God will always use the, 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 the natives to kindle a fire. But God will not use the natives to maintain the fire. That is the mistake a lot of us Christians do. We go from conference to conference because I went to that conference and, and it was so, I felt the Holy Spirit. Oh, the fire of God came on me. I, I, was, I was slain in the Spirit. Yeah, that started the fire. Today we heard the word of God that he has brought fire here and the fire went out on every single one of us. But God is not going to maintain the fire. You have to maintain the fire. You have to maintain the fire. And to maintain the fire, I will talk about it later, is very easy. It's just the basic Christian disciplines. Praying every day. Reading and studying the Bible, fasting sometimes, giving and generosity, and obeying what God tells you to do. That is it. Those are the logs you put on that fire to stoke it, to keep it burning, to keep it going. Because God will not maintain the fire. Now, one thing also happened. When Paul went looking for the sticks to help the fire that was already burning to make it grow even bigger, what came out? A viper came out. So when this fire that has touched us, I don't want to make you fearful because at the end of the day, you, you still win. But you are going to face some spiritual warfare. Some vipers are going to come out. Oh my God. You are going to be like, why did I, ask, did, why did I go to church on that Sunday when they gave that word? Why was I in church when pastor preached on, on fire? Brother Barry, why did you go tell pastor about fire? Now look at what's happening. You are going to start seeing things that you are going to be like, God, just let them. Do. I'm not going to be part of this. Imagine. This is a man that has been through a shipwreck. He has been not even sure what's going to happen to him, lost everything. He's in the cold. Rain is falling. He decided to go get more logs to keep the fire going. Now, a snake has fastened, a viper for that matter, has fastened on his hand. And so when the viper, do you think the viper was there before the, the, the fire was started? Was the viper there? The viper was always there. The heat, the Bible says, the heat of the fire is what brought the viper out. The things that God is going to bring out, that you are going to fight with, because of this fire God has given you, they have always been there. It's just the fire now that is exposing you so you can see it. They have been doing the damages. They have been doing things in your life that you didn't even know. 
because you didn't have the fire of God. Now that you are consecrated unto the Lord, now that you are praying, now that you are setting a day, a month, or a day, a week, or three days a month aside to fast and subject your flesh, now that you can take the word of God and God opens your eyes to things that you didn't see before, things that you thought were normal, all of a sudden you'll say, oh no, that cannot be in my life because this is what God promises me. A viper has been exposed. And then you go fighting with the word of God in prayer, saying, God, no. Satan, no, you can't do that. That's what this is all about. This fire that we have gotten is going to start revealing some vipers. But rejoice! The same fire that revealed the viper is the same fire that will kill the viper. The same fire that reveals the viper is the same fire that will kill the viper. Just shake it, shake it, shake it. That's all. Because you have the fire. Just shake the viper. The Bible says he shook the viper. He didn't even... The other people were making noise. And he didn't even listen to them. He just shook the viper into the flame and the viper died. So don't worry about the vipers. Don't worry about what God is going to start showing you. Don't worry about the things about yourself, the weaknesses that you're going to have to deal with. Don't worry when you start feeling things that you're like, oh God, I never knew. Why am I having these temptations? Why am I doing this? The fire is exposing the vipers. And it's a good thing. Because the vipers were always there. The fire is now exposing them. And you want them exposed. You want the vipers exposed. Amen? You want the vipers exposed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let me tell you about two people in the Bible that got the fire of God. That fire fell on them too. And two of them ended up in two separate ways. Two of them, their names were Saul. Saul in the Old Testament. You remember, his father sent him to go look for some donkeys that were missing. And he met with Samuel, and Samuel anointed him because the people were looking for a king. Samuel anointed him as king. And Samuel told him, you are now the king of Israel. And immediately, oil, Holy Spirit, anointing, fire, all of those are synonymous. Once he anointed him, the Bible says, once he put the oil on him and anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with fire, the Bible says, Saul became another man. Saul became another man. The fire changed him. And when he met the prophets, bless you sister, and when he met the band of prophets, the Bible says, Paul prophesied to the point. People that, were, that saw him were like, oh, is Saul also among the prophets? May that be said of you in Jesus' name. This fire you have received, may it so change your life that people will see you and say, ha, what has go- what's, go- what's going on with my brother Michael? What's, what's going on with Jennifer? Something is different. She's among those deep ones. She's among those that are on fire for the Lord. May that be the, the testimony of everyone at the Ark Fellowship. They said, what is wrong with Saul? Is Saul also among the prophets? But guess what happened? The Bible says Saul, 
after he prophesied with them, go back and read Second, First Samuel. I forgot the chapter now. When I read sometimes, it just... But go read your first Samuel, the whole book. You'll find the story there. <laughs> I'm not like my husband. I have Bible on his head and just tell him he'll give you... You don't have to... You have to well, it's First Samuel chapter 10. I put it down here. <laughs> first chapter 10. First Samuel chapter 10. Read it all. But he said that Saul, after that happened went back to the high place. Bible, I, I, I love Bible, Bible reading. Because you see some things, you're like, ah. I said, what, what does the high place mean? He went back to where he elevated himself above God. Instead of following the prophets to learn and to grow, the Bible says, and Saul went back to the high place. Excuse me. And he was disobedient to the call to the fire. And from then on, everything Saul did, everything, evil spirits tormented him. He refused to obey the instructions that was given to him by Samuel. He went and put a false fire, built a false fire and sacrificed. When God had given you the original thing, he now went and did his own fire. And God said, because you build a strange fire, I'm tearing the kingdom away from you. Because of your disobedience, I'm tearing the kingdom away from you. And that's why God took the kingdom from Saul and gave it to David. And you know how Saul ended up? Ended up an apostate looking for a witch to tell him the future. When he had a prophet that was at his beck and call that could tell him what God was saying. When he could pray himself and hear from the Lord. That's what happens when you get fire and you don't maintain your fire. Let's talk about Saul in the New Testament. Saul that became Paul the Apostle. He was killing Christians. Hated Christians was killing them, got an order from the, uh, from the temple to go to Damascus and go look for them and take them all out. On his way, fire fell from heaven. He met with the Lord, became blind for three days. God spoke to another person to say, okay, go see what's going on with him. When he was done with that experience, when he, that fire that came on him, immediately, do you know what he did? He immediately joined himself with other Christians. Immediately started learning about God, Jesus. Became a preacher. We are talking about the same Saul when I read Acts 28. That man that was killing Christians, doing all of those, when fire fell on him, his life changed. And he ended up writing to thirds of the gospel that we are reading today. One man that had the fire ended up an apostate. The kingdom taken away from him. Died like a, on, on the battlefield. The other apostle, Saul, yeah, was beheaded by Caesar. When he, when he went to see Caesar, they beheaded him. But as a matter, wrote to thirds of the gospel, and we know where he is today. What are you going to do with your fire? Are you going to be Saul of the Old Testament? Or are you going to be like Paul? 
Your life will change everybody's life around you. Your life will influence everybody. People will know that you carry the light. Whatever is happening to you now becomes non, of no importance because you know who you are serving and you are willing and you are able and you have the zeal. The, 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 the zeal. Where is the zeal? Where is the passion for the things of God? Where is it? The fire must be maintained. You must get the logs every morning. Every day. Day and night, the fire must not, get, must not go out. Every day, you must examine yourself. Do I have ashes on my altar? The Bible says, most likely we all do. Because that's why God gave instructions to Moses to tell Aaron and his sons that every morning, you must go to that altar. You must first of all remove all the ashes. Because the ashes are going to prevent the fire from burning brightly. Remove all the ashes. You know your areas of weakness. You know what God deals with you in your personal life. You know what God is wanting you to do for him. All those are ashes that you have to remove. This is a time for you to... The Bible says without holiness no man can seek God. Unless you get rid of the excuses, excuses will build your ashes. When you take the excuses away, you have room for your logs. Let me tell you, I have three more minutes. Let me tell you, the things that make us lose our fire. You know, first of all, I kind of over, went over this. You know you are a priest. All of us should know that. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.9, it says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may pre- proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, into his marvelous fire. So we are talking of Aaron and the priest in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you are Aaron. You are Aaron. You are the priest that is maintaining the fire of God in you. So can a Christian lose their fire? Jesus said in Revelation 3 verses 15 to 16, I know your works, that you are neither cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and you are neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That is Jesus speaking. If you're hot, we, we know you're hot. If your cold is good, we know. He knows you're cold because then he knows he can do something with you like he did and get some natives to light up your fire, to spark your fire, to ignite something. But if you are lukewarm and you don't even know you are lukewarm, that is where the danger is. And I'm going to go over just in one minute the ten things that you can use to know who is a lukewarm Christian. A lukewarm Christian is one who claims to be a believer, who claims to be a follower of Christ, but one is content in their own way and they don't even recognize their complacency. They can go a whole week without opening the Bible. It doesn't bother them. 
They can go a whole week without praying. It doesn't bother them. They don't even think about it. They can spend a lot of time on their social media to, for pleasure things. And that's what gives them pleasure. Reading the Bible or praying is a chore. That's a lukewarm Christian. Number two, a lukewarm Christian has no passion for the things of God, has no excitement for the things of God, has no dedication, no devotion, no fervor, no eagerness, no zest. They just come to church. Like Pastor Larry was saying, sit down. Like a lemon in their mouth. You are serving the God who created all that we see. The heavens and the earth, every day, morning, every night, night, day in and day out. There's no day, it's like 3 o'clock for like 12 hours. Everything just goes the order of things. Winter, summer, autumn, winter, summer. I mean, there's no time, you, except in Houston, you can have summer, winter, and autumn on the same day. But, <laughs> but the order in which God does everything. The Bible says creation tells about God. Creation. Have you seen some birds? The colors on them? I, I have seen some of them. I'm like, who, who, who came up with this kind of color combination? I mean, you would think those colors, will, and then the, the brightness, the, 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 the sharpness, and the, the, I don't even know how to describe it. That's why I know heaven is going to be awesome. Because you will see some colors, will be like, oh my God. How can you think there is no God? It's a foolish person that says there's no God. But you know, when bad things happen to them, what do they say? Oh, God, help me. So they all know God. Number three. A lukewarm Christian rarely applies the word of God to the way they live. They can read the Bible and it says this, and the next minute they are doing this. That's a lukewarm Christian. Number four. They are not regular in having fellowship with other believers. They only attend church or fellowship occasionally. And they don't care. They don't miss it. Number five. They are not givers. They only live for themselves. They want what you have to give to them, but they will never give to anybody. They are not generous. They are stingy people. Ah, what are they doing with my money? Why do they want my money? Why, why do they want my money? When you go to Starbucks and buy coffee, you don't ask what they do with your money. They are the ones supporting the gays and lesbians that are coming out. They are the ones, the gay parades and all of that you see. Guess who is supporting them? Your money that you went and bought $5 of the cup of coffee. And then when it comes to church, we want to know what pastor is doing with the money. We want, we want to know what pastor is doing with the money. Is that not what we do? People that do that, lukewarm Christians. The kingdom of God, the growth of the kingdom of God means nothing to them. People can die and go to hell. They don't care. Number six, they don't serve in any local church. They are the ones that will come, tell you what is wrong, but will not lift a finger. And then when it's not done the way they want, I'm going to church B. 
And then they go to church B. Oh, they're not spiritual enough. Go to church C. So they just hop and hop and they're never rooted. They're never planted. They're never grounded. That's a lukewarm Christian. Number seven. I'm almost done. They easily compromise. They are the ones that, oh, I have a boyfriend. If I do it, nobody's going to know. Forgetting that the Bible says you are not of the world. And the Bible says flee fornication. They do it. Nobody knows. Let me just have sex. Everybody's doing it. They compromise. They conform to the ways of the world. Number eight, they act one way in church. Hallelujah. They are the ones that will do all the dancing. But when they get home, they are as mean as a bed bug that's drunk. <laughs> they are mean. When a bed bug is drunk, like they say, they just bite, 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 bite. <laughs> Those are the ones that are lukewarm. And you know how we know sometimes? Because they act one way in church, but their children will always be, because by their fruits, you will know them. Not always the case, though, but sometimes. Number nine, they blame God or other Christians for their lack of passion. Everybody in the church is a hypocrite. Everybody in the church is bad. They, don't, they, they are all hypocrites. They don't love. They don't this. You come in and show us how to do it. Why don't you come in and show... We're we're willing to learn. Everybody I know in church is willing to learn. If the church is so bad, why don't you come and tell us what we're doing wrong and we'll repent and ask God for forgiveness and change things around. Ah, they are bad people. They they think they are better than other people. No. We are just sinners that have recognized that we are full of sin and we've come to the Lord and He's working on us just like He wants to work on you. You can't be pointing finger when you're off five or six of them are pointing at you. Go remove your log first. And then come tell me that I have a little pin in my eye. Christians that are always critical of people, they don't have the love of God in their heart. Because love covers. Love does not expose. Love does not criticize. If Jesus could come in our state to save us when we're filthy and put his own garment of righteousness over us, who are you, a human being, to tell me I'm filthy? Lukewarm Christians do that. They show no mercy. And finally, they make excuses to justify everything they do. Everything they do, there's an excuse. And until you can overcome excuses, you cannot maintain your fire. Paul could have said, Ah, I have been in the rain. I have been in darkness for two weeks. Legitimate. He could complain. I've lost everything. Shipwrecked. I'm working for God. God sent me. And, and, and look at me now. Nothing to show for it. I'm shipwrecked. It's raining. It's cold. He was still the one that went looking for sticks, looking for logs. Him. The level to which you maintain your fire will be high if your excuses are low. If your fire is high, you've, you've, you've brought your excuses down. If your excuses are high, your fire is going to be low. Everybody is busy. 
Everybody is busy, but some take time to read their scriptures and study. Everybody has something going on. If you have time to go do your nails, women, you have time to pray. If you have time to go do your nails, you have time to pray. Men, I'm coming. I, I, I'm trying to think of. So don't say, come on. Because I'm just trying, my brain, I'm trying to think of what I can give the men. I can't think of what they do. They don't take too much time to dress. They don't do much. So what, what is it? What is it men do? Ah, if you can stay on that, thank you. If they can stay in front of that TV watching that football for how long? You're watching men passing ball to each other. You can turn it off. I knew I could get something for the men, right? You can turn it off for 30 minutes and go spend time on your prayers, on your knees praying. No excuses, people. No excuses. No excuses. Let your excuse be here so that your fire can be here. Let people see us. Let people be attracted to the fellowship. I like the way we are posting stuff on Facebook. When you see it, share it. If you're on Facebook, please, I'm begging you. That is a way of ministry. You are reaching out to people. If you see anything they post, click and share it. Click and share it. Write something. Our church is a... Wouldn't you want people to experience the, the worship we had this morning? As they post, every one of you, I'm looking out for you. If you don't share it next time I preach, I will get on you. Make sure you're sharing. Young people, share, share it. This is our church. Because we want young people. See how many seats? It just grieves my heart when I see empty seats. That's a soul that could have been hearing this message. That's a soul that could have been blessed by praise and worship. That could have been set on fire. So we have seats now just carrying fire, waiting for somebody to come sit on them. Next month, we are coming up with an evangelistic outreach, two in six. Tell me, ask me, what is that? You are supposed to bring two people to church in six months. Two in six. I was talking to Pastor uh, 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 Mike and Kathy yesterday at my house. My brain is going fast. I'm sorry. I was telling them, I said, we're going to do like a poster. Put it up here. Put one here. Put one there. Put one so that you see it every day. In six months, everybody must bring two people to church. Uh, we can, all of us are doing this together. That's the thing I know God told me. said, you're going to bring everybody along. My time is far, far gone. Stand up on your feet this morning. Stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet. Woo! Isn't God good? I love him so much. I love him so much. Raise your hands today. If you're here, just raise your hands to him. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you're watching on TV in Nigeria, you don't know Jesus, you're wondering what are they talking about? We're talking about Jesus. If you don't know him, I want you right there on your TV. Just stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hands towards me. I want you to say with your whole heart, Dear Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my heart, to come into my life, to take over my life, to be my Lord, to be my Savior. Father, you said you will baptize me with the Holy Spirit 
and with fire. I receive this morning the Holy Spirit and the fire in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you for the fire that is in us today. Father, we thank you that you have ignited us. You have kindled the fire. Oh, God, I beg you today. I ask you today. I plead today. Let the Ark Fellowship not lose this fire that you have given us. Let every individual here, oh God, learn how to clean out the ashes in their fireplace, in their altar to you, God. Teach us, my God, how to clean out the ashes and how to put fresh logs. Prayer, studying of the word, giving, oh Father, obedience. Help us, Lord. Fasting. Help us to use those logs to make our fire huge. And let us not come with any excuses, Lord. Help our excuses to disappear. Help us to know that we have time for you. Just like you gave all your best to us, we will give our best and our all to you. And to you be all the praise, to you be all the glory. We live here today, we don't leave your presence. You are with us, you said, wherever we go in our coming and in our going, you are with us. And we thank you for that. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen and Amen. The prayer partners, I want you to please come out. And I want Josiah. He's his 13th birthday and he wanted the church to pray for him. Josiah. <laughs>